Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Rare that I start a day with a public service announcement, but it is tax day. And I apologize if you're somebody who has to write a check. It's wrong. It will always be wrong. Income tax is always wrong. I'm sorry it happens. That said, pay them. They will find you. They will take their 80,000 IRS agents and come get you. And not just the rich you. Oh, no, 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 no. All of you. As you know, the IRS is only going after the rich people, and that's why they now want to make sure that anything that's over $600 through PayPal or Venmo or Zelle is reported to the IRS. That's how you know that your little side hustle is safe, because now you're reporting everything to the government. You haven't figured out yet that these people hate you? You haven't figured out yet that these people don't think you should be able to make a side hustle? You didn't learn this from when California was pushing AB5 and now want to bring this to the rest of the country? As a matter of fact, you're not allowed to have a freelance gig. You have to be a paid employee with full benefits. Otherwise, you shouldn't be allowed to work. Which means the companies can't afford to hire you. Which means as much as they would like to have you, they can't have you. And you don't get the opportunity to negotiate in your own best interest. This is the entire conversation that Milton Friedman was having regarding the minimum wage. That the minimum wage is abhorrent as a concept because it prevents people from negotiating in their best interest. Someone can't decide, look, I really want this job. It'll teach me the skills, and then I will have the skills that'll help me get another job or be worth it to you, the employer. So pay me less, and I'll learn the skills, and then you'll pay me more. And the employer can't say, I like your attitude, but you don't have the skills, but I can pay you less while you learn the skills, and then when you have the skills, I can pay you more. The art of the negotiation, the, no, wait, take that back. The opportunity for the negotiation, opportunity taken away from the people by the government in order to do what? Good. That's what they say, that the minimum wage is good. The minimum wage is pathetic. The minimum wage is ridiculous. The minimum wage doesn't do good. It does just the opposite. It takes from people their opportunity to do good for themselves. Uh, I guess uh, people weren't expecting that as a way to start the day. But, you know, I'm, I'm used to it. Nobody, nobody expects it. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. Pay your taxes. That's what all this was about. It's actually not my my subject today. My subject today is these these shootings. Now, it's, it's interesting. If you follow me over at Locals, I put out every day the, the, the show sheet, everything that's on my mind, subjects that I want to get to. But sometimes stories build throughout the day. And sometimes they're building because things are happening, and sometimes they're building because it's just it's in my head. It's like that thing that you see at like, like 8.30 in the morning, and you're like, you, you see something. You see it on the street. You see it in business, whatever it is. 
and just sticks with you. And it just, eventually it's consuming your whole day. There are two shootings that are consuming my day. The first involves this 16-year-old named Ralph Yarl. Ralph Yarl is a 16-year-old young black man who was asked by his parents to go pick up his twin brothers. They were at a, at a friend's house. And um, he was supposed to go pick them up at 15 Main Street. But instead, he went to 15 Main Avenue. That was the problem. He gets there, and the homeowner, an 84-year-old, shoots him twice. Once in the arm, once in the head. The kid is able to stumble to some, I think, to somebody else's house. And they call police, and they're like, what should we do? And the police are like, stay in your house. There's a shooter. We don't know who it is. We don't know where it is. They didn't know the whole story. But the this neighbor is, is out there uh, helping him. This kid is bleeding. He's banging on his door asking for help. And this guy's kind of talking through, okay, what happened? What's going on? What's this? And the kid explains the story. The 84-year-old. I think is going to be charged. And as the local police put it there, the Clay County Prosecutor's Office, I should say, the crime had a racial component. That's how it's described. That's how it's reported from the New York Post. The crime had a racial component. And you're like, oh, because the homeowner is white. And you can immediately put yourself in a place. I'm not this guy, but even I understood that you can immediately put yourself in this place. This 84-year-old man, has this black kid banging on his door. He got nervous. He shot him. I am not excusing it for a second. I'm describing what it is that that statement from the Clay County Prosecutor's Office puts in the head of people. Oh, black guy banging on your door. You shoot him. You think that's somehow okay. Not me. Not for a second. But if it was a white kid, would somebody have shot? Would he have shot? This takes us to our second story. Our second story is about a 20-year-old woman who is in a car with three friends. They made a wrong turn. So, you know, they're turning into a driveway, and they're, they're looking for a friend's house. Now, I don't know if they parked in the driveway and were looking at their phones and trying to figure it out. Why would you park in someone's driveway? To do that, neither here nor there. She's 20. She's with her friends in the car. The homeowner, who is 65, steps out onto his patio and fires two shots at the car, killing this girl inside. He has been charged with second-degree murder. Damn straight. Damn straight. Someone's in your driveway and your answer is get out of your house, aim and fire. Not call the police, not keep an eye on it. Not knock on the window and say, who are you? Go to your patio. I don't know if it's the front or the back or I don't know how the house is situated. And then just start shooting at the car. 
Now, there could be a million things more to know about that story, just like there could be a million more things to know about the first story. What kind of response is this? What kind of response in either case is this? Well, Tony, if these people didn't have guns, this wouldn't happen. No, 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 no. Millions of law-abiding gun owners, and this doesn't happen. Who are these people, and why did this happen? I could say that it would be clear to me that these two cases are two cases where people are going to say, well, why do these people have guns? It's like they're looking for a situation to hurt somebody. That's going to get said, and even you looking at the situation, at least from the basic reporting, will be like, I, you want me to defend this? I can't defend this, and by the way, don't. There is no defense of their actions based on the reporting. There is no defense of the action that you would step out onto your patio and fire at a car sitting in your driveway. And the defense to the action of you would shoot through your door, and by the way, I don't even know if the door got open when this 16-year-old got shot. That defense would come only if you had data about some level of argument that may have taken place, whether the kid was trying to force himself inside, what have you. The idea that it has a racial component comes from the reporting, not from the facts. I have absolutely no idea if there's a racial component. But why would it be racial in the first case and not racial in the second case? Well, that could mean we need more information. But in both cases, I have somebody who shot somebody else for no other reason than being in the wrong place at the wrong time for not actually doing anything wrong, for the assumption of wrong, and therefore a proactivity. Not actually for something racial. You're telling me that the, the girl in the, 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 the car was, was shot because it was, it was racial? If you stepped on, out onto your patio and just start shooting in a car, could you even tell who was in the car? Ask yourself, from your front door to your driveway, if you have a driveway, if you, have a, if you have a front porch, could you actually tell who's in the car? That'd be a weird thing to kind of understand. But in one case, we call it racial. In another case, uh, I, I guess it's not. But I want to discuss the racial thing for a moment because I'm not sure how you jump to that, except they're reporting what was said by the Clay County prosecutor. I don't know why the Clay County prosecutor is saying that. Tell us what is. I believe what they're saying is 84-year-old white man saw a 16-year-old black kid at his door, freaked out, fired. People would say, well, that's the problem in America. That's the problem. That's the bigotry in America. Well, if we're going to discuss bigotry in America, let me take you to Chicago. Because in Chicago, as you know, just the other day, there were a tremendous amount of well, let's call it fighting. Thousands of teenagers taking to the streets, destruction of property. It was was bedlam. 
And at one moment, there is a woman. This is how it's written by CWB Chicago. I don't know why it's CWB. I don't know what that stands for. Neither here nor there. An alarming new video has emerged that shows a woman being attacked by a group of young people in downtown Chicago. That's not what happened. What happens in the video, as I'm watching it right now, I'm watching the video, is that there is a group of, let me see if I can count this after we see all the destruction. Uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Um, let's call it 20. 20 black kids. Oh, I'm sorry. We're not allowed to make this racial. Uh, too bad. Um, who attack a white girl. Now, there was a 22-year-old man and a 22-year-old woman. Or, or the, the man is 22. The woman is between 18 and 24 when they got attacked. I don't know if the man is black or white. I know that the woman is white because I can see her in the video right there. And she is next to a kid, uh, a 22 a kid, who is black. And all, all of a sudden, she gets punched and drops to the ground. She then tries to, to run as the crowd moves. She is being stomped like somehow she's playing basketball against Draymond Green. I'll get to that story. And she gets attacked. I want to know about the hate crimes legislation, or I should say the hate crimes charges that will come from this case. I have the statement of a Clay County prosecutor, so that puts everybody in the mood of, oh, sure, this old white man gets scared of black people and shoots. Here I have 20 young black men attacking a white woman. I want to know about hate crimes uh, charges. Oh, yeah, you know me. I don't believe in hate crimes at all. Crime is a crime is a crime is a crime. I absolutely believe that to be true. But I'm watching these two shootings. Two people, wrong place, wrong time, neither one of them with a a, a, a desire it, it, would, it would show for being a problem. Neither one of them was some kind of sinister intent. One of them just turning around. One of them thought they were picking up their brothers at this address. And we are going to hear everything under the sun about how guns are evil and look at the bigotry and all of it. We are going to hear everything about those two subjects. And really, this poor girl that was killed, that will fall off the pages quickly. Because we only can talk about whatever they can build into some kind of racial attack. But when it comes to racial attacks, and not all racial attacks are, e are equal, and we're never ever going to talk again about this woman who got the crap kicked out of her by a gang of young black men, a group of young black men, I don't know what terminology you want to use, but they were all young and they were all black. Why can't I notice? How dare you? 
How dare you think that somehow we're going to be the show that doesn't talk about things in its totality? Why did it happen? What was the racial component? What should happen to this group of kids? What kind of jail time should they do? Extra jail time should they do? What will the prosecutor there in Chicago push for because of the clear racial motives in this case? You're not going to hear me defend any of the actions in the three stories I just brought you. But I'm sure as bloody heck not going to condone focus on one and not the others. Not a chance. I'm Tony Katz. So I was catching this story earlier about how Lincoln is importing vehicles from China. And how this isn't um, unprecedented when you consider that Buick does, does the same. That there are things that, that work in, the, in a Chinese market that aren't necessarily the everyday in the, the American market. And how Lincoln, which is part of Ford, is this growing global brand. And so, therefore, they do a fair amount of work in, in, in China. And the, the Nautilus, which is their crossover, is something that gets made in China. So, they're bringing it from China over to the United States. And, of course, you have... A fair amount of people here in the U.S., especially in that uh, union world, who refer to it uh, as an invasion and a slap in the face. I can't imagine that, that Ford thinks this is a good idea. But I couldn't imagine that GM thinks it's a good idea. And I think part of the answer is, well, who's really paying attention to the thing? Who in the end is really paying attention to what it is that's happening? Where the car is coming from? It's Lincoln. It's American made. I think that's where people go. I think that's what they say. But I wonder, do do we not pay attention? Or because we're talking about cars, are we saying that we've been so desperate for the new vehicles that we don't care where the new vehicle is made. Just get the new vehicle into my garage. That's all. I don't care what happens. Just get the new Lincoln into my garage. That's all that I want. Nothing more, nothing less. I don't know. I will, I will admit, I like Lincoln. I like the brand. Um, I don't think I would take a car made in China. I would kind of be like, you know what? I think there's other, I think there's other options. Now, not every Lincoln is made in China, so maybe I'd go with other Lincolns. Maybe not that one. But I think I'm in a, I'm in a very minority moment on that. Huh. This is Tony Katz today.
We file this under. <laughs> that's 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 now the way I laugh. That's that's now how I do it. All the ladies love it. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? This is about REI. They're the outdoor company. You you, you need uh, like a, like a sleeping bag or or something, and you just want to spend a billion dollars. REI. Don't uh, they have some really good stuff? It's a very impressive place for a very specific purpose. And they announced that they are closing their store in Portland. Portland, Oregon. The epicenter of wokeness. They are closing their store. Why? Because of the crime and theft that has taken place. From Television City in Hollywood. Michael only wasn't so militant. It was an email. They said the store has had, quote, its highest number of break-ins and thefts in two decades, despite actions to provide extra security. While we do not believe a downtown Portland location will be possible in the near term, our other stores remain open and ready to outfit you with the gear and advice you need to enjoy life outside. I think the question to be asked is how many of the REI uh, consumers are the same kind of people who vote for the kinds of policies that make it untenable for a company to run a business out of Portland? And when do you get the message that maybe it's you? You're the problem, you're the issue. You're the damaged goods. And you don't have to be. You don't have to be. All you have to do is stop being, you know, crazy. Recognize that you have to prosecute criminals. Recognize that some people are engaged in criminal activity. Recognize that if you don't engage deterrent, you will have more criminal activity. And stop saying, well, what we need are more social workers. No. It's like it's, uh, Mike Pence took... Oh, I never got to this story, did I? Did I? I never got to the story. Mike Pence took it on the chin the other day. Because Pence was at... I think it was at the NRA show. And he was asking the, the question or, or making the statement. By ignoring the mental health challenges of the man who killed five people and injured eight others in Louisville... President Biden and the Democrats have returned to the same tired arguments about gun control and gun confiscation. And then, in, in this parts of his speech, in the 1960s, liberals emptied our psych wards only to fill our streets and ultimately our prisons with the mentally ill. Now, we should be clear about a couple of things. Mental illness is real. We have now become a society that blames everything on mental illness. We should ask ourselves, what is our plan regarding mental illness? And was releasing people from institutions a mistake? Because the truth is society 
is not prepared and cannot find a way to make uh, it mesh their mental illness with a societal desire to grow and thrive. If you take a look at the homeless problem, for example, I'll talk about uh, Indianapolis because that's that's where I'm from, and you you know the stories where, where you are, whether it be St. Louis, whether it be Atlanta, whether it be uh, Tulsa, a, a series of places, and so share with me wherever you, wherever you're listening the the, the connection. You know, uh, Bloomington, uh, uh, Indiana, where we're on WGCL, uh, has has uh, its issues. Share with me where the connection is. So don't worry so much about the town as as the idea. Um. I argue that what is necessary to deal with the homelessness issue is a public-private partnership. And in that partnership, you have to ask yourself, what is attainable and what is a reach and what isn't attainable? And then ask yourself, can you live with that level of unobtainable? So if we talk about the homeless who are down on their luck, that is the very attainable stuff. We can help people in a public-private way who are down on their luck. We can get them a place to stay, we can get them fed, we can help them get back on their feet, and we can help them integrate back into society where they are not a drain on society and they're helping themselves and they're allowed to grow and build and 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 build a beautiful, hopefully wonderful, stunning life. That's that it that is the 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 first layer. Now admittedly that's also the smallest layer. I'll talk to anybody who deals with these issues on a daily basis. That is a very, very uh, slim slice of the pie. The other uh, two, and, and I'm not saying there couldn't be more, just go with me here. Those who are addicted, those who are mentally ill. The addicted is where I would go next. Whether it's, it's a drug addiction, whether it's an alcohol addiction, whatever the case may be. There is a great possibility, not saying probability, I'm saying a great possibility to help people be able to conquer some level of those demons in some of those cases. You notice how I've brought that down to smaller and smaller uh, projections, just being honest about the situation. After that, and getting people into levels of, of recovery, getting them into, into programs, and then being, you know, the, finding the tools to be able to engage the control, to be able to then move on to those next parts about getting back into, into a life. The mental illness one is very difficult. How do you help somebody who isn't cognizant of the fact that they need the help? How do, how do, you, how do you do that? That is very, very difficult. The question then must be reversed and turned back onto society. If we are to agree that that is the most difficult, and if we were to uh, to say that in the if we took took a look at the people who are mentally ill on the streets of name your name your town, and that number whatever that number is is a hundred percent, right? There are five thousand, so five thousand is a hundred percent. There are two hundred eighty-two. Two hundred eighty-two is the hundred percent. Of that 100%, you could maybe help 2% of the 100%. What's your plan about the rest? Now, maybe your city is large enough and people are spaced out enough that you're like, you know what? It's just part of a homeless problem, part of being a large city, that's it. Or you could live in a place where it is a problem. 
where it has an effect on business, where it has an effect on crime, where it has an effect on tourism, and you cannot have it be. So I go back to the commentary of former Vice President Mike Pence. One of the people who's quoted as a, uh, in responding says the comments are very reactionary and they are outdated. With all due respect, I wholeheartedly disagree. What is outdated about a recognition of the reality being faced uh, uh, that, that we're facing? What is outdated about recognizing the problem that's right in front of us? The answer to me is, is, is nothing. I would think it is radical to say that a comment cannot be made or a discussion cannot be had. I think we should be having the discussion about what we do about those people who cannot help themselves and we, no matter our intentions or desires, would not be able to help them. Why Why is it that we shouldn't note this? One of the people quoted here discusses, you know, the lack of access to mental health care, especially during the COVID pandemic, and a collective rise of emotion in society over the past few years are partially to blame. The school shootings, political extremism, political extremists, and racial aggression. Well, I'm, I'm not even going to say no to that. And those would just be some of the things, never mind economic angst, never mind uh, the concept of lockdowns and loneliness, etc., how about the destruction of people's businesses, the destruction of, of their opportunities? Sure. Uh, you'll get no disagreement. But many of us had those things happen, and we get on with our lives. The homeless issue did not, while while it may have uh, exacerbated some of the other things, it never ever touched the underlying because the underlying existed before COVID. What's the plan? I think it's okay, very, very okay to ask ourselves whether or not the institution is a necessity. I'm not saying the only answer I'm not saying go through the steps that I just laid out first. Someone may have better steps than me. I am saying that Mike Pence said did absolutely nothing wrong. Absolutely, positively nothing wrong. He's bringing up a subject that grown-ups should be having. Just like grown-ups in Portland should be realizing that REI is closing because of the crime and the theft. What is it that they have voted for that has allowed the crime and the theft to populate, to grow, to build, to become um, um, ubiquitous. And maybe they should stop doing that. But it's very, very hard to get the woke to not be the woke. Because very often, being woke and saying woke things uh, makes you, with certain people, a star. Popular. You're gonna be popular. This is Mayor Eric Adams of New York, who decided uh, that today was the day he was gonna piss off Tony Katz. Today was the day that he was gonna say, you know what? I'm gonna punch that radio host Tony Katz right in the face. And he did it 
in the only way you could do it. One in every five metric tons of carbon dioxide our city emits comes from food. But all food is not created equal. The vast majority of food uh, that is contributing to our emission crisis lies in meat and dairy products. He's not, he, he's, he is not doing this. First, you blame the cows for farting too much, and now, and, and now it's, it's the milk. Man can't have cereal, man can't put cream in his coffee. Forget you, ice cream, just kiss it. You are not actually saying this, Mayor Eric Adams of New York. We already know that a plant, plant-powered diet is better for your physical and mental health, and I am living proof of that. But the reality is that thanks to this new inventory, we're finding out it is better for the planet. I want ice cream, and I don't care about your conversation about the planet. You jerk. This is silly. New York has constant crime. New York has gone back to public urination. New York, when you walk down the street, it is, oh, look, weed is in the air. And I have got the mayor of New York pushing ridiculous concepts like Meatless Monday. You know how I feel about Meatless Monday. Cooking a steak, wouldn't it be great? You could be my mate. Cooking a steak, for goodness sake, will you please be my mate and come and cook a steak? Steak. The people who put together Meatless Monday said, oh, it's doing this to the environment. It's a problem for social justice, and we'll push people not to eat meat on a Monday. And uh, there are cities, uh, Indianapolis and others, that have passed resolutions saying we shouldn't eat meat on a Monday. And I note the crime in Indianapolis, and I note the lack of, of businesses in Indianapolis, just like you do in your town. And I say, this is what we're focused on. And on my morning show, I have been mocking the city county council here for years on this subject. The problem with these people is that they don't know how to rank what is important and what isn't. Maybe there's something to the fact that cows take this and they ingest that and they use uh, the, these uh, types of, 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 of nutrients from the ground and these types of natural resources. And uh, if we didn't process this and didn't do that, uh, you, you would have a, a better time. Allegedly. To quote squarely down. But you've got people being killed in New York. You have people being attacked in New York, uh, especially if you're Jewish or Asian. Uh, you have people who are are dealing with, with crime and with rats. And you're going to talk to me about whether or not I should have a milkshake? These things have to be ranked. And the things that Eric Adams are talking about here don't matter. That's his problem. He doesn't understand what matters and what doesn't. This doesn't matter. This doesn't count. He can't figure out 
how to deal with that reality. He, he cannot accept. Nope, he has to do what the ideology demands is done of him and talk about these serious issues. Go have yourself an ice cream sandwich and go have yourself a steak. Everything's going to be okay. Oh, and vote for people who will do something about crime. I'm Tony Katz. So this story is out, and you never know what's true and what's not. It's about a mom who wrote a note to uh, her daughter's teacher saying, hey, listen, uh, my kid's going to be out of school because they're going to see Taylor Swift in concert. And uh, the letter it, it goes about saying, I hope missing school doesn't ruin her otherwise stellar reputation, but she begged me to go and maybe I should have said no, but I didn't want to be mean, so it goes. Which is really using a bunch of like Taylor Swift songs in trying to write the letter. So I, I think the whole thing is, is, is a bit of fake nonsense. However, does anybody think it's wrong that your kid skips a day of school because they're going to see a concert? Am I the only one who thinks that's totally fine? Like, good on you? I'm not arguing that school isn't important. I'm arguing that experiences are important. And if you actually skip for something that is experiential, that there's a value in that. Also, if I had the chance to see Taylor Swift in concert, I I guess I'd go, but I'd feel too weird. But just by myself at a concert? See what I did there? That's pretty good. I'm Tony Katz.